evening, but we were sitting at the supper table, and uh, our youngest one, Nicole, came, and they had some things that God's been dealing with about placed on her heart and shared at the dinner table. And it's tears of sadness, but tears of joy. And I don't want to get in much into it this morning, but it made a real impact on me and my wife. I think the church needs to hear it. So I'm trying to get her up here to do it. But today wasn't the day because they're in the bank today. So anyway, uh, be praying about that because uh, we can learn at 50, 30, 46, 70, 80, 90, 100, how, God, how long God allows us to live. But sometimes it may come through a child. It may come through a young teenager. You just don't never know. God works. And he can work through any of us. But my ears were open. My heart was open. And God's dealing with me. So I love that. It's awesome to see how God can work if we just allow him to do what he needs to do. We have to get out of the way and let God have his way. Get self out of the way and let God have his way. Remember that. We are most of the time are in the way of what God is wanting to do. If we step back, take that back seat, put him in the driver's seat, we're much better off. Let God work. And we sometimes have to take a step back. You know, a lot of times we do everything on our own, don't we? So preacher said, boy, we, we, we want to try to be there and do this. We've got to fix things. But that's not always, that's not the way it works. We've got to sit back, be patient, wait on God, and let him do what he needs to do. I remember Brother Mike came here, if I remember correctly. If I'm wrong, he can correct me now. I believe at Diesel Baptist Church, he told me there was hardly no youth. Am I correct? Or if it was with many, if I remember right. I think he said there was a young girl there. That I guess God started dealing with the work with Anyway, she started telling, I believe I'm right on this, where he said that one person, how I made an impact on that youth group at that church. Am I correct? How that one young girl made an impact on the whole group in the church. And he said how that church, if I remember right, flourished from that one girl. How that, that department kind of grew. Because I guess of God working through her and her to others. But it's it's just been a great week. It's been an awesome week. And uh, I wanted Nicole to share with the preacher, but it, it, it just didn't work right this week on the time that she will. I already talked to her. So anyway, that's enough being said. I'm not going to preach and leave that to you, brother. But anyway, I know a man who can do anything if we let him. Amen. <coughs> I can't take a heart that's broken Make it over again But I know a man who can 
I can't take a soul that's in sick Make it white as the snow But I know a man who can Some call him Savior The Redeemer of all men I call him Jesus For he's my dearest friend if you feel no one can help you and your life is out of hand well i know a man who can i can't walk upon these waters or calm the troubled sea but i know a man who can i can't cause blind eyes to open make the lame to walk again but i know a man who can some call him savior the redeemer of all men i call him jesus for he's my dearest friend if you feel no one can help you and your life is out of hand well i know a man who can well i know a man who i know a man who can, can, yes, he can. Amen. We have been through a lot lately, haven't we? Um, you know, I, I was, I was going to start this sermon a different way, I think, um, in light of that, we may change it slightly here, but it's hard when things are difficult to to see how what 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 are you doing god how how is all this working i mean i think if we're all honest we'd all like a road map of what's to come we'd all love for god to just give us the directions this is what you're going to see these are the things you're going to come across you need to make sure you take this turn here. You're going to go past this. But if you go past this, you've gone too far. So don't, don't, don't you're not going to quite make it to there. You're going to turn on this road. You're going to follow it for a while. It's going to look like the road will never end, but you just keep following that road. 
around all the bends and turn. You know, we wish that God would just give us the clarity to see exactly what's to come, what's in our way, what are the obstacles ahead. Um, if you don't believe that, why do weathermen have jobs? We want to know what the weather is going to be, right? By the way, if you, uh, I, nobody here is a weatherman, right? Okay. Nobody did that in a former job before they retired or anything. Okay. All right. If you think weathermen, I'm, I'm just making sure. If you think weathermen don't get it right, you try predicting the future. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Oh man, if we could have investment decisions, Based on what we know, some of y'all, uh, what was the movie? Uh, it was one of the Back to the Future movies where the guy steals the sports almanac from the future and goes back into the past and starts making bets, right? We all want to know what's to come. And sometimes when God hides it from us and we don't see, we see the troubles, we see the burdens, we see the heartaches, we see the difficulties. But we don't know what's beyond that. We can't see through the fog of that to see what's after, what's next. It's hard. Jesus has just told his disciples the temple's going to be destroyed. You're not going to see one stone left on another. Now, some of y'all, a uh, uh, couple people asked, what about the wailing wall? That's not one of the buildings. He said of the buildings. The wailing wall is part of the foundation, part of the structure that holds up the buildings. But if you go, you can look at it online. You can see pictures of it. You'll see the foundation of the Temple Mount and no buildings from Jesus' day on that mount. There's buildings that have been built since. But the temple's not there anymore. That grand temple that was built. And it wasn't even the better temple, you know. I mean, like Solomon's temple was bigger and better. And that one is gone. He's just said this temple that we're looking at, they're sitting on the Mount of Olives, looking at this temple, and he's saying that, that, that temple, that's going to be no more. And so the obvious question that the disciples come to is, well, when's that going to happen? Tell me what's to come. Look with me in Mark chapter 13. Stand as we read. We're just going to read two verses to start with. We're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture this morning, but we're just going to focus on two verses. Mark 13, verses 3 and 4. This is God's Word. And if you let it, it will change your life. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us. When will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Pray with me. Father, we do not see the future, and that's probably a good thing most of the time because I don't know that we could handle it. But God, we know that you are the one who sees the end from the beginning. You are the one who knows what is to come. You are the one that not only knows it, but describes it in bits and pieces here and there. You give us a picture of things that are to happen. 
But Lord, we know you don't do that because you're just showing off, because you want to look impressive. God, we know that you do that so that we can learn to trust you. You've given us prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that have been fulfilled. And because of those, we know that we can trust that what you say is true. We can put our faith in you. We can bank on your word. So, Father, I pray that we do that. We stake our lives on your word. We bank on your word. We put ourselves on the firm foundation of your words because we know that those ancient words will not depart. We know that those ancient words are ever true, as we've sang this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to know the truth of your word so that we can do, do it, so we can apply it, so we can live it. It's not just to read, it's not just to know, it's to act on. Father, help us do that this morning. In the midst of trials and difficulties, in the midst of burdens, in the midst of death and dismay, in the midst of life, give us your life through your words. In Christ's name we pray all of these things. Amen. You may be seated. So, what's going to happen, Lord? What What is to come? Tell us about all this stuff. When is it going to happen? What's it going to be like? How will we know it? What are the signs that we should be looking for? We all want to know what we don't know, right? We all want that inner knowledge, that, that special knowledge that many people don't have. Johnny Carson had a bit and I can't remember what he called himself, but he, he wore the turban and he put the envelope to his head with the card inside of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know, y'all are like, y'all didn't know I was that old. Um, I've seen reruns, okay? I, I didn't see any of them live, but I saw reruns. He'd put it up to his head and he'd say the answer to the question that was on the card. And of course, it was a, it was a bunch of jokes that he was making, but we all want to have that special knowledge, don't we? To know the unknowable. We, that's, I think that's why we like gossip as a culture. Because it's something that you don't know. I know something you don't know. That's, that's what happens here. You know, in a sense, we all face uncertain days. These guys, they knew the temple was going to be destroyed, but, I mean, Jesus just told them that. But they want to know, how's it going to happen? What's going to go on? And I want you to understand something. What we're about to read is in the context of that discussion. So when we're listening, don't just think end of days. We're going to think at the very end, the last days, what's going to happen. In fact, uh, uh, one of the, one of the Bibles that I was looking at titled this whole section, Jesus tells about the end. Well, kind of. He's talking about the end of the temple. So let's keep it in that context first. And then let's expand from there. Because, because Jesus is not going in prophecy. You've got to realize that there's an immediate fulfillment. There's something that's immediately happened that the prophet is talking about. And yes, there are overtones and yes, there are things that go out into the future. But we've got to get the immediate right. Because if we don't get the immediate right, we're not going to get the future right. 
That's how people go crazy and make these gigantic maps from, from, from one end of the stage to the other with all this stuff of how it's supposed to go down and they don't have a clue what they're talking about because they've missed the point. The point isn't to get everything in the right order. If God wanted it in the right order, he'd have just given us the order. So, so let's make sure we get the basics right first, okay? Uh, um, we all face these uncertain days ahead, so, so what's to come? What, what's gonna happen? Before he even tells them what's to come, the first thing he tells them is, be alert. Well, be alert. For what? Okay, so when you're alert, what happens? Your eyes start to get bigger. You start to pay more attention. You hear things better. The adrenaline starts rushing and, and you see things a little bit better. You hear things better. You smell things better. You, you taste things better. You never, you ever notice that? I think that's one of the reasons, um, why when, when there's danger, your heart starts beating fast. It's your body preparing. All, all, all of the epinephrine and, and the, um, Adrenaline starts running through your body and, and you're, you're, you're focused more. You're alert. Why? Because you need to be. Right? If all of a sudden a bear came in that back door, y'all would, y'all would wake up, wouldn't you? Y'all would all be alert. Y'all be running out that way, right? Quickly. Why? Danger. Right? Think about, um, I think about when Carrie was pregnant, her nose became super sensitive. She could smell things a mile away, which is really not a gift, I want you to know. <laughs> Just ask her, she'll tell you. It's not a gift. I had to change many diapers in those days because she couldn't handle them. I'm, I'm kind of glad you don't have quite so sensitive a nose anymore. Uh, but anyway... Be alert. Watch out. Watch out for what? Well, he gives us a couple things first. Watch out for the deceivers. Verse 5. They just asked him what's to come. This is what he says. And, verse 5, And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. The very first thing he tells them is, Don't get deceived. Don't be led astray. Why not? Because people are going to try to. Verse 6. Many will come in my name saying, I'm he, and they will lead many astray. You gotta look out for the deceivers. You see, you see, whenever there's a problem, whenever there's a difficulty, whenever there's an uncircumcer uh, uncertain circumstance, there's going to be people coming out of the woodwork to deceive. Why? Because it's easy to catch people off guard. It's easy for me to deceive somebody if I want to when there's a crisis going on. It's easy. Nobody cares. Nobody cares if there's no crisis. Right? Sometimes, I, I read a book one time that said that, and I don't completely agree with the way he said it, but I think I understand what he was trying to say. He said that when you're leading in, in business, this is in a business environment, sometimes you've got to create the fires. Now, I have plenty of fires. <laughs> that I don't, I don't need to create any. I have plenty of fires. But I think what he means is you've got to convince the people that work under you that what you're doing is vitally important 
and that if they don't step up their game, that there's going to be catastrophe. There's going to be hard. That it's going to be difficult, and it's going to create lots of problems. And and what happens, oftentimes, is that when there's a crisis, there are deceivers. They come around and they look for that chance for for they look for those people that are panicking. Because how many times have you made a good decision when you're panicked? Yeah. We don't make good decisions when we're panicked, do we? Now there's, some people do well under pressure. I convince myself that I do well under pressure, but the truth is I just procrastinate until it's the last minute. And then I, and then I have to do something, right? I have to make it work. In reality, there are people that look for that crisis moment because they know that's when people will make bad decisions. You go into a shady investment advisor and they will make you feel like it's a crisis and you've got to put your money in today or else. And I'm just going to tell you something. That's not a good way to make decisions. You got to watch out for the deceivers because there are many who will try to lead you astray. He carries on a little bit down in verse 21. He makes the same point. He says, and then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ or look, there he is. Do not believe it. Not only will they try to deceive you to trick you that they are the Christ, other people will try to deceive you thinking that someone else is. You got to watch out for that too. Well-meaning, good-intentioned people make mistakes. And if you're in a panic mode and are trying to follow whoever is saying whatever, you're going to lead yourself down a rabbit hole that's going to make very, very bad choices. You're going to make some bad decisions when you're panicked. And it's not just following the crooked person. It's following someone else who's following the crooked person. So just because your mama does it, or just because your daddy does it, or just because a good friend does it, just because somebody does it that, that you think is a good person, that they wouldn't try to deceive you, they might be deceived. Look, there's the Christ. Look, he's over there. Don't believe it. Verse 22, he goes on. For false Christs and false prophets will arise. Not only people that try to deceive you to follow them, but people that try to deceive you to follow somebody else. And they'll perform signs and wonders. It'll look great. I can pull a rabbit out of my hat, you know? That kind of stuff. Things that might look impressive. Things that might look like they're genuine, but they're not. And if they could, they'd even lead away the elect. They'd even lead away God's Chosen people. Verse 23, but be on guard. Watch out. I've told you all things beforehand. You know what to look for. Don't let it catch you. He says, watch out for the deceivers. Watch out for the people that are trying to sell you a bag of goods, even if they're the ones who have bought the bag of goods. Watch out. Watch out also for the denouncers. Look back in verse 9. He says, but be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my name's sake to bear witness before them and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. By the way, that's a verse we often take out of context. He's talking about persecution. Oh, we've got to take the gospel to all the nations of the world. He's talking about persecution. He's saying, look, look, this thing has a timeline. 
Could Jesus come back at any second? No, because this timeline hasn't been fulfilled. But could Jesus come back at any point in time? Maybe. Is his return imminent? Is it close? Yeah. We don't know how long it'll take to fulfill these things, but we know they've got to be fulfilled. Verse 11, And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. That's another verse we sometimes take over. Oh, well, well, God will just tell me the words to say. That does not give you permission not to be ready. How do you think God gives you the words to say? My dad used to have a saying, garbage in, garbage out. Right? If you fill your mind with junk, guess what you're going to talk about? Guess what you're going to act like? Junk. You see, God has called us to be ready. And part of that means getting the right stuff in so that when the time comes, the right stuff can come out. That's not just for preachers. That's not just a saying that preachers need to study before they preach. Preachers do need to study before they preach. But we all need to study up. Because we're preaching sermons through our lives. And every day that you have an opportunity to tell someone about Christ, you're telling them not only in your words, but in your actions too. And if your actions are not lining up with your words, guess what happens? Nobody believes your words. they they got to come into alignment. And the way you do that is you put the right stuff in. You be ready. And when they bring you, when they persecute you, when they try you, then you'll be able to speak what God has told you to speak because God's already put it in you. Verse 12, Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father is child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. you got to watch out for the denouncers. There's a, a part at the end of this verse, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. I want you to know, if you're not enduring to the end, you're not saved in the first place. God has the power to save you from your sin. He certainly has the power to keep you. The one who endures to the end will be saved. All of this to say, watch out for the denouncers. They're going to come at you. They're going to attack you. Peter says at one point to do good, by doing good that you might silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. you got to be ready for it. People are going to slander you. People are going to denounce you. People are going to attack you. People are going to persecute you. Now, that doesn't look the same for us as it does in some third world countries. You go to North Korea, that's a whole different kind of persecution. But I'm telling you something. You've got to be ready for whatever comes your way. Because when this happens, what you have put in is what you will get out. And if you've, if you've done what you ought to do as a Christian, if you have been walking with God daily, You'll know how to run when it's time to run. If you've been walking with God daily, you'll know the right things to say. You'll know the right way to behave because He's the one who's showing you. Watch out for the denouncers. Don't run away from them. You can't run away from them. Not completely. But be ready. Be ready.
not only for the denouncers, watch out for the desolation. Now this is one where it really starts to look a lot like the end times. But let's keep it in the temple destruction mode first. Okay? Let's look there first. Verse 14, but when you see the abomination of desolation, the abomination that makes desolate is what some versions put it. Standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. But in those days there will be such tribulation it has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. There's a lot of discussion on what exactly Jesus is talking about here. But let's, let's pause that discussion and let's focus on what's clear. When these things start to happen, it's no time to second guess. It's no time to run back and get a few things. Just ask Lot's wife. <laughs> Looking back is not always the best option. When this happens, it's time to flee. There are several different things. Maybe this was when the Romans came into the temple and started worshiping false gods. Maybe this was where um, there was one one idea is when a certain group took over the high priest, that, that the high priest was someone that shouldn't have been the high priest. And There's various different things. I, I, I can't tell you for sure exactly what he's referring to here in the immediate. But I can tell you in the immediate, when that happens, his followers were to know it's time to get out. Run away. Flee. There are some times when it's time to fight and sometimes when it's time to flee. This was the time to flee. Get out of there because you're going to be destroyed. What we know is that that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Titus led the Roman army in destroyed the temple, destroyed Jerusalem, and it was bad, y'all. It was bad. I mean, it was so bad that um, there are stories of... Well, I don't need to go into some of the stories. They'd make you cringe. I can tell you this. It was horrible. I can also tell you this. We better watch out. There are things that will happen. When we see them, we'll know this is not good at all. And there becomes a time where we're going to have to run. Maybe not in our day today. Maybe that's... Maybe that's a long time from now. But we need to learn to recognize the signs. There's times to stand and fight. And then there's times to run. This is not a very popular message because I don't do all the hoopla. I understand that. 
but it's God's word. Now about this, there is a looking forward. There was a day when that temple would be destroyed. There's also coming a day where there's another abomination. And I want to be very careful because I don't really know how all this is going to go down. But I do want you to know, when that day comes, that doesn't mean that God has been dethroned. No matter what may happen, no matter what may come about, that does not mean that God is not on His throne. Keep that in mind. Because no matter what tribulations or trials we face, no matter what death may come around us, no matter what difficult times may lie ahead, God is still God. And He always will be. He tells us to be alert. Watch out. He also tells us to be aware. Verse 24, but in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then He will send out the angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. There is coming a day when Jesus Christ returns and when He returns, He will gather His own to Him. Now, you know what that tells me? I need to be watching out for a different kind of way. Stay alert. Also be aware. Don't let the bad things that can so easily preoccupy your vision crowd out the good things that are to come. I just said God is still God. No matter how bad it looks, God is still God. This is an example of that. Beyond the hard, beyond the difficult, beyond the painful, beyond the trying, beyond the tribulation, beyond the abomination, is a God who is sovereign over all of human history. A God who is sovereign over the entire universe. A God who does not cede for even a split second His sovereignty and control. And what that tells me is that I don't have to fear for myself because I am in better hands. He says, in those days, there's going to be some bad stuff, but then the Son of Man is coming. It's interesting he uses Son of Man here. Most of the time when we see Son of Man, you know what we're talking about? People. God calls Ezekiel Son of Man 96 times in his prophetic book. You know what he basically calls Ezekiel? He says, he says compared to my glory, you're just a Son of Man. You're just a human. Nothing like me at all. But Jesus isn't referring to that only. He's thinking back to Daniel 7. Daniel chapter 7. It's not in the, in the PowerPoint, Martha, but Daniel 7. Daniel gives us a picture of some things that are to come. He sees this vision. He's in the throne room of God. And it says in verse 13, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting 
dominion, which shall not pass away, and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. We serve a God who reigns supremely above all of history. And if you doubt that for a second, well, you need to read that verse again. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. So be aware. Don't just look for the bad. Look for the good. Because God reigns. And this bad, it's just temporary. John Donne, I think, put it this way in a poem. Death too shall die. Boy, that, that, that gives me some comfort. Does that give you comfort? Be aware. He also says, learn from the fig tree. In verses 28 through 31, he, he, he gives the fig tree. The fig tree starts to, um, produce leaves. You know that summer's coming. The fig tree is one of the earliest plants to leaf and one of the earliest ones to produce its fruit. And so you know when the fig tree starts to leaf, it's coming. We, we look at a groundhog. <laughs> I don't know why. We look at that groundhog. If he sees his shadow, or if he doesn't see his shadow, that, that groundhog doesn't have a clue. But God says there are certain signs. You know summer's coming when you see that fig tree start to leaf. We know summer's coming when our cars are yellow from pollen. Right? We know it's coming. It starts to warm up. Get, it's cold in the morning, and then it's hot in the afternoon, and then it's cold again at night. We know summer's coming. He says in the same way, when you see these things starting to take place, you know it's near. It's near. Be aware. Pay attention. Don't just look at the bad things. Look at all things. By the way, if you really want to know what God is up to, you got to learn to see past what's right in front of your face. Maybe it's on the periphery. Maybe it's back behind a little bit. Quarterbacks know. They learn how to read a defense. You can't just read the line. you got to read the secondary. you got to see everything. See how things are developing overall. We need to do the same thing. We need to be alert. We need to be aware. Lastly, we also need to be awake. This is the point of the sermon where I get on to people who are sleeping. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> be awake. Verse 32, but concerning that day... Oh, 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 pull back up verse 31. I'm sorry. How can I let this go by? In case you doubt God's goodness, heaven and earth will pass away. All this stuff is temporary, but my words will not pass away. You can bank on them. Verse, verse 32, sorry, sorry, Martha, throwing that in there, but verse 32, but concerning that day or hour, no one knows. You want to know when this has happened? No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. He knows. So what does he say, verse 33? Be on guard. Keep awake. Isn't it funny that within a couple of days he's going to get on to his disciples for falling asleep while he's praying? Boy, that, 
that is hard to do. Not only do we need to stay alert, not only do we need to be alert to the, to the things that are going to happen to us and around us, not only do we need to be aware of those, those side notes and, and, the, and those harmonic chords that, that God already has that are working toward His dominion and power and, and glory, but we also need to stay awake. We can't let the long period of time that is to come lull us into a sleep or a laziness. We've got to stay awake. For you do not know when the time will come. Then he gives an example. Guy goes on a journey and, and he, he assigns his, his folks different stuff to do. And you know, you gotta do this. And you're responsible for this. You're here. And he tells the guy at the door, watch out for me. Make sure you, make sure you stay awake so that when I come back, you'll open the door for me. Right? Stay awake. Verse 35. Because you don't know when the master of the house is coming back. Does that mean that you don't need to do anything? No. You got work to do in the meantime. Get to work. Keep an eye out. There's a story in uh, uh, Nehemiah. They're rebuilding the wall. Do you remember? Uh, there's the threat that comes in from the nations that we're 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 not going to let you build this wall. You know, you really don't want to build this wall, or and we've got an army to prove it, kind of thing. That veiled threat of we we may have to attack you if you don't go along with what we're saying. Nehemiah says, "Well, I know what to do there." So he has everybody work on the wall, and what do they do? They hold the sword in one hand. And they're working with the other. Now, I would think you can't get much work done that way. But they build the wall in 50 days. That's pretty impressive. It's amazing what you can do when everybody's working together, huh? Amen. It really is. Can you imagine? You were talking about, you're, you're, you're kind of getting, getting at some of this. Can you imagine? Youth have this amazing ability to have this incredible passion. They don't even care what it's for. It doesn't even matter. They're passionate and they want to let out their passions. And it drives them to do all kinds of things. And it doesn't even matter what it's focused on. They just need an outlet for their passion. But man, they need direction so often, don't they? And then you got old people like me. Who, man, we know the direction. We could use a little infusion of passion sometimes. Amen? Imagine what would happen if if a youth with passion and an older person with direction got together. Imagine what would happen you know, there's a lot of work we can do. There's a lot of work we can do. God's given us some incredible gifts. Y'all know that? But we better not fall asleep on couch. We need to stay awake. So what's to come? I can't tell you everything that's to come. If I knew it, I don't think I could handle it. But I can tell you this. You look around and you see what's happening, and you know that the God of the universe reigns supreme, and He always will. And I think it's time for us just to get to work.
and let God do it in the way that he wants to. Because what's amazing about God's work is the work he gives us actually helps bring about that future that we long for, that kingdom of God. That's why we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's not just something we pray. It's something we work for. So church, let's get to work. And let's make what's to come. Hurry up and come. While Linda and Jim come up here to sing this invitation, I'm going to invite you to join God in the work that He's doing. Whatever He's doing in you, surrender to Him. Be about doing the work that He's calling you to do. Because you have a role to play in His grand design. He's fashioned you for it. It's not even something that you, you're not a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. God's made you specially for the work He's calling you to do. So it's time to do it. It's time to do what God has called you to do. Maybe you need some help figuring out what that is. Maybe you need a church family to plug into. I know a really good one. Just saying. Maybe maybe you've never thought about your life in that way because you've never thought that God would even care about you. You're too bad, too far gone. <laughs> no. God loves you. And He demonstrated His love on a cross 2,000 years ago. Not only Jesus dying on the cross, but Him rising from the grave. If you'll put your trust in Him, <laughs> it'll be incredible the, God, the work that God will do in you. I'd love to help you know more about that. Come to that decision. I'll be here at the front. If you need someone to talk to, I'm here. While we sing the song. I'll start to page 591.